You are in the right place tonight, so let's make our confession. Are you ready? I still got to look at it. I don't have this one down. That's a pretty wordy confession, honey, but I love it. Okay, let's say it together. I am here. Do we say it together or do I lead them? We say it together. You do it well on Sunday, not so good up here on Wednesday. Okay. Here on purpose, because I have a purpose, my heart is open, my mind is ready to receive, because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life, because Jesus lives in me. Now, let's say it again like we're not reading. Let's say it again like we mean it, with enthusiasm, with joy, and as if we're really living the life we were called to live. Are you ready on the count of three? One, two, three. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have the victory in my life because Jesus lives within me. Let's give the Lord a hand. That is the truth. You may be seated. Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. Tonight, we're talking about a really, really, I believe, important message, as in every message that you hear. But as I was praying about this message today, it just went over and over and over inside of me. I'm starting to reread a book again by Don Colbert uh, on how to live a stress-free life. And, uh, and one of the things that the devil loves to get us to do is to get stressed out, think things we shouldn't do, get us distracted, do anything he can do to get us away from the Word of God, the will of God, and the joy of God that wants to live within us. Yesterday, I was over in uh, Hamilton, Ohio. A couple of people from a church were over there also, and it didn't go quite the way I had hoped it would go, but, you know, it was all right, and I was really upset. Let me see the hands of all the people that in 2017 you've allowed your emotions to take control, and you've gotten upset over something you couldn't change anyway by being upset. You knew it was stupid to do it, but you did anyway because you weren't too smart at the moment. May I see all of your hands? Okay, we're all in the right place. And what happens then is we start doing something as a distraction instead of focusing on what God wants us to focus on. And as I was sitting there thinking about it, uh, about the situation, and I was becoming a little bit perturbed, a little bit upset and all, and then finally I said, God, what do you think about this? It was just internally, but that's, that's what I said. Now, you would think that would be the first thing you would say. Turn to your neighbor and say, you would think that. But it wasn't. I went through a little bit of mental anguish before I finally did. And then God spoke into my spirit what was going on and what the outcome would be. And I was really excited. I was no longer upset. I was no longer stressed out. And I was all ready to just go ahead and believe that God was going to do what he said he was going to do when he said he's going to do it. Now, tonight, this message could change your life if you live it. If not, it's just a good message you heard. You can share it with somebody else. Maybe they'll live it. But if you don't make a purpose and a discipline to live it, then you will not be in the perfect will of God to enjoy the abundance of God. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm going to pay attention. attention. You heard the story about the person who said, you never pay attention, said, I didn't know it cost. You'll get that in just a moment. (laughs) That went over like a lead balloon. Did you get it? Did anybody get it besides me? Mark, the guys that laughed, I mean, the people that got it, will you please laugh? (laughs) 
like the Sunday school teacher with the two children. Hopefully I can remember this because I have it in my, uh, in my book there. I don't stress less. Uh, uh, teaching a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And they said, you know, there are scriptures in the Bible on the commandments that tell us uh, how to treat our mother and our father, that we honor our parents. Are there any scriptures that teach us about our brothers and our sisters? And the one little boy says, yes, thou shalt not kill. <laughs> laughter is good. Everybody say laughter is good. Now, what we're going to talk about, the devil, with the message title tonight is The Power of God's Joy. The Power of God's Joy. Let's just say The Power of God's Joy. The devil is out trying to steal your joy. Because he knows if he can get you distracted by stealing your joy, he can take anything he wants from you. God gave us, and I'm going to show you scriptural here in just a moment, God gave us his joy to consume us and to absolutely be, in, we are inundated and should be inundated by God's joy. So the devil wants to steal it. God wants us to have it. The deciding factor is not either one. The deciding factor is you. Turn to your neighbor, get your little finger out and say, you are the deciding factor. If God was the deciding factor, you'd have joy manifest and flowing out of you all the time, regardless of the circumstances. If the devil was the deciding factor, some of us would be like some of us sometimes are. And we don't want to go there. Now, I'm going to show you and give you some examples in just a moment here. I want to give you three scriptures. They're going to be up there and you can see them real quickly. But uh, uh, talking about how God, as, as the Trinity, each one has the joy that has been given to us. Uh, Psalms chapter 16, verse 11 says that in the, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of? Fullness of? In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. When you were born again and the Holy Spirit came in and reborn your spirit man, where is the temple of the Holy Spirit and where does God live right now? We know positionally he is in heaven. We know positionally he lives within us. So therefore, the power of God's joy is already in us. John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus said, I came to give you my joy so that your joy would be that's really weak folks came these are not going to be trick questions i came to give you my joy so that your joy would be so turn to your neighbor and say do you have jesus if they have Jesus, they have the fullness of the joy of Almighty God. Now, you can suppress it if you want to, but if you let it flow, it's there. John cha- or Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, the nine fruits, but the top three, love, peace, and joy. Weak again, folks. Love, peace, and if you get excited about joy and you get yourself out of the way and all the roadblocks, you can let that joy flow and you can be happy all the time. You can be smiling all the time. A lot of people are looking for something to make them smile. 
They'll be better if they have more money. No, you won't. You'll frown if you got more money because you're used to frowning. What happens then is we're looking for something else to make us feel good about life. And life is good because Jesus Christ lives within our heart. So turn to your neighbor and say, I've got it all. Okay, now, today I was, I was sitting in my office and God gave me this example. And, and it was really funny. Now, this, my wife knows obviously this story and a few others do, but... I am a very, I think, soft, quiet, humble little teddy bear that doesn't rattle too easily. Would that be fine so far, honey? That would that sometimes sometimes I said I said sometimes. Yes, sometimes. When it comes to modern technology, I don't I'm not like that because I don't know crap about it. And it just upsets me continually when I can't figure out something. And my grandchildren tell me, well, they're never around when I really need it. But whatever. So I'm trying to get the computer to work today. And I've had some trouble with computers. They don't make computers like they, they don't make computers like bouncing balls. You have to be really fragile with them and apparently I'm not as fragile with that thing as I could be and uh, so anyway I talked to Ted Luann Reilly's husband the other day and he said next one we're going to get for you Bill a laptop we're going to get you a special case that you can carry it in well I, I managed to tell my laptop one day what I thought about it as I set it down on the desk and then it never worked after that and it was a really nice Dell, and uh, it wasn't very smart of me to do, but I did it anyway. And uh, I turned to your name and said, we need to be smarter than we are. So I'm sitting at my desk today. I don't have my laptop because it doesn't work, but uh, I have Pam's laptop. And, and she said, take it easy on my laptop. And I said, I will, honey. Uh, but I don't like her laptop, but I will take it easy. And, and so I'm sitting there. With, with this laptop, and it's not working, and I'm getting more and more frustrated, and I'm thinking, I'm going to figure it out myself, but I can't get the power on, and I've been off for uh, two days, I think it was, so I went over to Pam, and I said, Pam, this laptop is not working, I've got, I'm charging it, and I've charged it for quite a while, she said, well, how long are you charging? I said, about a half hour, hour, it's still not going to work, she said, well, you probably messed it up or did something, you know, and I said, well, I don't know, so I went back over there, now, we're talking about joy. We are plugged in to God's joy. It's in us. We can be happy all the time. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You have the ability to be happy and joyful and absolutely let something that is going to help you in every area of your life flow if you'll allow it to. And I'm going to show you that in just a few moments. So I go back over there and I hit that thing and it won't come on. I hit that thing and it won't come on. And I think, okay, I know how to troubleshoot. It would help if we could troubleshoot ourselves. You know you got a troubleshooter? How many of you want to know where it is? Now, whatever answer you give is good, the Holy Spirit or wherever else. Your mirror is the best troubleshooter you'll ever get. You stand in front of your mirror and you ask how much it looks like the joy of the Lord. You ask your mirror in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, and whenever you see it. And for the men, you don't have this ability, but for you ladies... You have your little makeup kits, and you get that little thing out to get your lipstick on and your little stuff here and your checkup here. And every time a lady eats, they have to do some more stuff. I don't know what it is. But anyway, you got your little mirror. Maybe not all ladies are like that, but I know some that are, that once they eat, it's not a toothpick. It's, uh, it's the makeup kit that comes out. But anyway, you need a checkup from the neck up, as Zig Ziglar would say. So I went to my laptop, and it was plugged in. So far, so good. And I went over here to the wall, and it was plugged in. 
So far, so good. But now I'm really frustrated because now I know it's plugged in the way it should be. It's not plugged in. It's plugged in the way it should be over here, and it's not charging. And so finally, I took my little laptop, and I picked it up, and I pushed it over here very gently, very gently, very gently, very gently, very edged it over there, and pushed it over there. And I said, this thing doesn't work. That's about how I said it. And then I looked. It's plugged in here. It's plugged in over here, but there's another plug-in, and it had to go in here. And I'm sitting there looking at it. I'm very upset. Can I see the hands of all the people that some things, you have a pet peeve that upsets you? shouldn't have, but you do have. It's just, and now I'm looking at it, and I'm starting to laugh. And I think, I think I've got it figured out. Really smart. I think I've got it figured out. This is not plugged in to this. And if I plug this in to this, and I push this, and about 40 seconds later, it came on. And I set up my desk, and I started to laugh. And I was absolutely so happy. Now, just a moment ago, I wanted to crucify that little laptop who was totally innocent. I was upset because I was allowing my joy to be eroded. How many times have we let go of our joy because of a silly circumstance that we either don't know what to do or maybe can't do anything about it. And so it's so important that we understand the power of joy. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, and the question I have for you is, are you plugged in to God's joy? Ask your neighbor, are you plugged in to God's joy? Does their face show it? If you're happy and you know it, say amen. One more time, if you're happy and you know it. Ephesians chapter 5, you are called to be an imitator. You are called to be an imitator. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says that we are to be imitators of God as dear little children. Little children love to imitate. That's why it's so important. So what we need to do, we need to imitate God. None of us know for sure what Jesus looks like. But this is a, a kind of an iconic picture of Jesus that I saw one day. You've seen it uh, many, many times. Uh, I put it in the front of my prayer journal. It's Jesus holding a fishing net or leaning up against the fishing net. And he's got the biggest smile on his face. I picture Jesus being happy all the time other than with the money changers. And, and in the Garden of Eden, we knew what happened there. Not, uh, not the Garden of Eden, but the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and, but I picture him being happy all the time. I picture him smiling a lot. I, I picture him walking into a place and people were drawn to him, both spiritually and I believe in the natural realm also, because he projected the love of God and he had the joy of the Lord. I believe that's why he told us that he, that, that, that he gave us his joy so that our joy would be full. Every morning when I get up to pray, sometimes I miss it, but every morning when when I get up to pray, the first thing I see is Jesus smiling at me. And I think, I wonder if I resemble that. Well, with the hair, not much. But I can smile the way he smiled, and I can take the joy that I have inside me that I know God put there. All of us are in, influenced by the dominant influence as we grew up. 
they, they say medically, uh, 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 psychiatrists and people like that, that from zero to five, your basic personality was formed. That is probably true. I don't know one way or the other, but they say that's when your basic personality is formed. But it doesn't mean that it can't be changed once Jesus comes on the scene. You might not have been raised in a family where people smiled and were happy and were joyful. You might have been raised when people put you down all the time. But that's no excuse once Jesus comes into your heart. Now, this cup, the, uh, the best thing about going over there, other than being with a couple of people from our church over in Hamilton, Ohio, I want to make sure I said that, uh, the best thing about going over there is you have to drive by Skyline Chili. And, uh, and uh, so I, I love Skyline Chili. I overdid it. I got three hot dogs full of that uh, coney sauce and all that kind of stuff, and it's really good. And I have to go there twice now, so that makes six hot dogs. So uh, uh, I'm going over there another time. That would be nine hot dogs if I do it. I don't know. But anyway, regardless... This is the cup. This cup, I want you to use your imagination. Tell your neighbor you've got an imagination. Okay, use your imagination that this is you. It's not Skyline Chili. This is you. And that this represents you. And that inside it, inside here is water. But inside this is the fullness of God's joy. You've got the same joy that God had. You've got the same joy that his son had. And you've got the joy of the Holy Spirit in you. And all you've got to do is keep it and walk with it and let it absolutely control your life and flow through your life and you will have all the benefits of God's joy. So with me so far? Let's say it. So far, so good. Okay, now Nehemiah 8.10, scripture that we're pretty familiar with in this church, it says that, uh, it says that the, um, what does it say? Nehemiah 8.10, it says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It says a lot more than that, but it says the joy of the Lord is is your strength. How many of you sometimes feel down, feel like your strength is exhausted, and feel like you're just treading water and losing? Can I see your hand? A lot of times, I won't say every time, but a lot of times that's because you've lost your joy by looking at something that isn't going the way it should be, uh, focusing on something that you shouldn't be focusing upon, and it's, and it's usurping your joy. And once you begin to lose your joy, if the joy of the Lord is your strength, as you're losing your joy, what are you losing? You're losing your strength. Now I'm not even going to charge you a doctor's visit. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm learning something tonight. I want to say that again. If you're losing your joy, you are losing your strength. And the more joy you lose, the more strength you lose. The more you will be tormented in your mind, the more your immune system will be affected, the more every area of your life will be affected. You will be less a viable witness for the Lord. You will start to become more introverted in your life and in situations and circumstances. And the real challenge is not what's going on around you. The real challenge is you are letting go of your joy. I'm going to give you great news. I want you to tell your neighbor on each side. The devil cannot take your joy. But he can torment you and he can attack you until you start giving it to them. You start letting go. And a lot of people are ready to become joyful if 
If my kids mind the Lord, if I have more money, if my marriage is restored, if, 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 if. Tell your neighbor, don't live in a world of ifs. My, uh, uh, our nephew, uh, Dan, uh, uh, our nephew, uh, um, uh, bloody God, that's what happens when you drink before church. <coughs> my, my, my <laughs> I, we do have visitors here, don't we? I am just kidding. Our, my nephew, uh, uh, Matthew, our de- nephew, Matthew, he, <laughs> he uh, uh, glory to God, I, this is just unbelievable. I, I've, I've already shared it with some of you, but he's coming out March 4th. Uh, he's going to be moving in an apartment that's already taken care of. And I, it just, God is doing one thing after the other. And, 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 and the beauty of it is he knows this God. And he says, he says, Uncle Bill, I know this is God. It's not coincidence after coincidence after coincidence. It's God, and I can't wait to get out and serve him. And God told me, this time, it's real. This time, it's real. I'm so excited for him. He had so many felonies. They reduced them all to misdemeanors, told him if he keeps his mind clean and, and everything, he'll, he'll be out of there. Uh, they'll expunge his record in 10 years. So a kid is just unbelievable what God has done for this kid. I remember sitting on a park bench with him one day. And remember, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Everybody say, it's all about joy. We're sitting on this park bench in Denver, Colorado. And he says, you know, sometimes, and, and he didn't, that was the first trip I'd made out there. And, and uh, uh, he says, so, sometimes I just feel like killing myself. I said, okay. I said, that's not that hard to do. And uh, he looked at me. He said, what do you mean? I said, I think it'd be pretty easy to kill yourself if you really wanted to. And uh, he said, well, yeah, I guess it would. And so we talked about uh, killing himself. Now, I'm not taking this lightly, but, but, but all of a sudden he says, well, I could kill myself. I said, well, you want me to do the service? <laughs> We're sitting on this park bench. He said, what do you mean? I said, you know what I mean. I said, if you're going to kill yourself, we need to have a service. I said, you want me to do it for you? Well, I don't want to kill myself. I said, you just said you did. I said, no, no, I don't think I want to. I said, well, you don't think you want to or you do? I, you know, let me know. <laughs> he, starts, he starts laughing. He starts cracking up. It changed the entire atmosphere at the table. I said, what do you want to do with your life? He began to tell me. He didn't want to kill himself. Anybody tells you, you know, I'm not taking this lightly. I understand you need to get your antennas up. Somebody talks about suicide. You need to get involved spiritually. But, But by the same token, if you let your emotions go with the flow of the situation, you will be an emotional, stressed out, distracted person. And you won't be able to be used by God the way he wants you to use it. And I have found this. I have found that in my life, humor and joy of God will change every person's circumstance if they will open their heart to it. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if we're going to encounter more attacks from the devil, what do we need? We need, need more spiritual strength. We need to be on guard. We need to be ready to go. And therefore, the more joy that we have flowing in us, the better off we're going to be for everything that God has called us to do. Now, joy is also medicinal. Everybody say medicinal. It is medicinal. 
Proverbs 17.22 says that a merry heart doeth good like what? I meant to bring my Don Colbert book along, Stress Less, because there's a whole chapter in there on, on joy and the joy of the Lord and how your immune system, if you laugh a lot and you smile a lot, and you've got God's joy uh, flowing in you, your immune system, you've heard this a lot from me in this church over the years, but your immune system taps into endorphins that are in your brain, and that those endorphins go to your nerve endings like opiates, and they make you feel better about everything, and that they increase your immune system so that you have more immune system buildup against sickness and disease. So the chapter that I read said, that I was rereading tonight said that people who laugh a lot have a higher degree of an immune system, and people who allow that joy to consume them are healthier. So rather than go to the doctor and take medication, what if we actually laughed more? says that children are healthier than middle-aged and older people. It says that the average child laughs about three to four hundred times a day. Young child. The average adult, as they get older, less than 15 times a day, if that. I would ask you this question. How much have you laughed? And how much have you smiled today? Or how much have you focused on everything that is going wrong that you're not able to fix? Because if you fixed it or could fix it, you would have already fixed it and you'd be thinking about something else. But if you're not careful, as a creature of habit, turn to your neighbor and say, he's just talking about you. (laughs) How many of you know we're all creatures of habit? You're a creature of habit? I'm a creature of habit. Woo! Good. Well, that'll get attention. I'll use that a little bit later. Uh, We're all creatures of habit, good and bad. It's all up to us as which one we yield to. So when we understand how this works, Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Then we look into Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13. We're going to put three Proverbs up there. And uh, the best, easiest medicine in the world uh, to use is laughter. It's not available at CVS. It's not available at Walgreens. But there is a warning label. It is habit-forming. Once you start to smile a lot and laugh a lot, it will become a habit, and you will become what I feel is an imitator of God as dear little children. It says in, uh, uh, oh, there it is. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. Have you ever been around somebody that could be described as, I know this sounds gross, but a sourpuss? You know what I'm talking about? It's just like, ooh, I wonder what they've been eating. Uh, it says here, a cheerful countenance, but a, a sorrow of the heart, the spirit, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Cheerful countenance, joy of the Lord, everything is going on. I had to let go of the emotional attachment I was having to my nephew out there. Actually, I didn't even care much for my nephew. Actually, I didn't even like my nephew. He was a belligerent, profane, terrible, in my opinion. I, I mean, he, I thought he ought to be taken out into a shed and the crap beat out of him and then bring him back into the house. I'm serious. My, if, I had t- if I had talked in my family the way this kid treated his parents, if, 
My grandfather, I love my grandfather. Man, he was the disciplinarian, though. He would take you out to that woodshed. When you came back, it was different. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to that woodshed anymore. And uh, he, he had a leather strap. How many of you remember the old leather strap with the uh, 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 single-edged razor blade? Not a single edge like we know a razor blade. I'm talking about this long one. And, I, and I, I was always fascinated when he would shave. He'd go like this and dirt, 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 dirt. And he, used, he never used that strap against me, but he used it against his boys. And one day he was up there, and I still remember the little boy. And, and he's shaving up there, and I said, I said that's, that's really a neat strap, uh, Pop. I called him Pop. And, and, and he said, yep. And, and uh, his, my grandma came by, and she said, he used to use that against your uncles. I said, really? I said, what'd you do? And he said, man, I would swat them with this thing. I'd swat them till they straighten up. You swat them often enough, they'll straighten up. And he's doing this little thing. And I said, wow, would you ever swat me? Thinking that, he'd, no, you're my pride and joy, you know, because I really would. He says, yep, in a minute's notice, if you ever misbehave like they did. I thought, oh, see, I really did. There was a reverential respect. I was never afraid of my grandfather. But there was a reverential respect that if he said that I got out of line, he'd use that strap. I knew he would. I knew he would use it. Not because he wanted to hurt me, because he loved me so much, he wasn't going to let me go the way of the Lord. And that's, that's where we have to get in our walk with the Lord. We know that he has the best for us. Uh, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 15. Uh, uh, oh, I was talking about my, my, my uh, Matthew. So they asked me to intervene in his life several years ago. This goes way back. Do an intervention at our home in the middle of the night, 4 o'clock, take him physically and take him to an airport and fly him to Montana and put him in a ranch out there. And uh, I had somebody from the church help me, and, uh, and we did. It was, it was one of the most horrible things I've ever done. I, I, I wasn't, sound like I'm trying to get out of it. I don't, I don't think I was in total agreement with it, but I did it anyway. Uh, against, I think, what was my better judgment. And he went berserk, and he was just belligerent, and we just, just, uh, I told him what I thought about him on the way up there, and just really, anyway, we got him out to Montana and got off the airplane and gave him to this guy that was, looked like he was 15 feet tall and played for the Green Bay Packers. He said, come with me, son. He was 15 at the time, wasn't he? 14 or 15 at the time. And, uh, and, and when I left and got on the plane, I could still remembered. I could just beat the crap out of this kid. I didn't like him at all. And I got in the plane, and the plane took off, and I just started sobbing and just started sobbing. And I, I felt like God showed me what he was going through, the boy. And it just knit my heart to him. That I, I just had a, He's had a place in my heart forever since that happened. Maybe because I feel partly responsible for doing and intervening in the whole situation. But I know this. If you won't let go and just detach from the joy of the Lord and let yourself be drained, you can be used mightily by God. And I have seen God mightily work a miracle between Matt and myself. And it was a spiritual thing. It wasn't me. It wasn't some type of thing I did or whatever. And it was us, both of us. But it was just God knitting our hearts together. To this day, I can sit and talk about Matt. And I used to want to punch him out. And now I just start crying every time I think about him. But now I start crying, not, not because of what will happen, but because of what God is doing and what is about to manifest in this life. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, the joy of the Lord is our strength. 
Now, this is what I want to show you. How many of you have some things that you're facing that, you know, this bears down on you from time to time? This is full of joy. This is full of the joy of the Lord that we have. But then the devil comes, and something happens in your family. Something happens, the, you know, who knows, you fill in the blanks. Turn to your neighbor and say, fill in the blanks. And all of a sudden, you get punctured over here, and you get punctured over here. And, uh, you know, the finances aren't working out, and the things that you thought you were going to be. And you become a little bit like Martha. You become weary and distracted about many things. And now turn to your neighbor and say, he may be describing you now. And all of a sudden you think, well, this isn't working and that isn't working. And boy, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel good about, <laughs> I'm not say a word. <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden, you see what's happening. Turn to your neighbor and say, he may be describing you. Now, here's what happens. Jesus said, don't become anxious or distracted. The word anxiety and worry are the same root words. I don't need to see a show of hands about how many of you become anxious and worried from time to time. But I can guarantee you it's every single one of us if you let it. And what that does is it steals your joy. Jerry Seville wrote a book years ago that if the devil can't steal your joy, he can't steal your good. But he's always attacking us, always attacking us, always trying to get us to focus on what's not going right. The Word of God in 1 Peter chapter 5 says that we cast every care upon the Lord. How many cares? How many cares? How many of you carrying some cares? Can I see your hands? You're obviously not living the Word, are you? Okay, take your hand down. Glory to God. How many cares do we cast on the Lord? The word care, marimno, is a distraction. It means it's distracting you from allowing the joy of the Lord to consume you. You can see where this goes. How many of you have ever drank a Coke when it's empty with a straw and you hear that slurping sound? It goes like, yep, it works. Okay, glory to God. In other words, you're not getting anything through it because you're draining your joy. And when you get distracted often enough, Jesus said, don't become anxious are distracted. That's what that says. Don't become distracted for anything, Matthew chapter 6, because your Father knows exactly what you have need of. So therefore, we aren't going to be distracted. Turn your neighbor and say, not going to be distracted. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6 says, be distracted or be anxious for? Nothing. Be distracted for? Nothing. Be distracted for? Nothing. So what happens in? When you're around somebody that's not smiling, not laughing, not joyful, and there's nothing flowing, they have become distracted. It's not a question of the uh, situation they're going through. A lot of times people say, you don't know what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The joy of the Lord is still in you. It's still your strength if you'll allow it to be. But what about the situation or circumstance? It may never change. What if the thing that is distracting you the most never changes? Are you going to continually be without your joy? And what happens is when we do this, we start taking all these punctures. And if we can't think of one thing, we'll think of another thing. And it's all because we're thinking the wrong thing instead of letting the joy of the Lord consume us. And that's what God wants us to do. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, count everything as joy. How many of you have ever been distracted and lost your joy? Can I see your hands? I want to show you this video. I showed it to my wife the other night. It's really, uh, I didn't show it to her. Uh, it was on TV. It's, uh, it's a little bit of an infomercial for an insurance company, but I love it. I'm all that techie stuff you got crammed into your brand new car. 
I'm so sexy, you can't keep your hands off me. Do it again. There you go. I can do whatever you want, except keep your eyes on the road. Now would be a good time to have new car replacement. So get all state and be better protected from mayhem, like me. It's good to be in good hands. Now, I, 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 love, I love that commercial because it is so true to, to life. Oh, well, okay. Now, my wife just helped me with the next phase. <clears throat> Skyline Chili is darn good, by the way. But McDonald's is not too bad. But if you suffered from letting your joy go, if you suffer from being a distracted person, there's good news. You may bear the wounds of what you've been through, but Jesus will take care of it, and you're not going to hemorrhage anymore. He'll take care of it. Now, here's where a lot of people miss it. They go through something like this in a church service. How many of you ever walked out of here and just felt like God just lifted the weight of the world off you? Please raise your hand. <laughs> And you walk out to your car, oh, glory to God, that message set me free, the move of the Holy Spirit, everything, oh, glory to God, I am a new person. And all of a sudden, you revisit the past, and you bring it up, things that aren't going right. And you bring it out, and you start all over again hemorrhaging, when right here is where you need to be. Finally reached the point in my life when, when I, there was an emotional hold uh, negatively with my nephew out there. But I just had to let it go. I said, God, I ask your forgiveness if I did the wrong thing. I know you've forgiven me. I know you've forgotten the whole situation because that's over now. I'm going to do the same thing. Whatever happens between him, whatever happens between you, is between him and you. It wasn't mine to do anyway. It was between him and you. There are a lot of people that don't realize it. They are enablers. Everybody say enabler. You allow people to continue on like they're continuing on, because you're doing everything you can to change them, and the best thing that you could do to change them is let them go. Not stop praying for them, not stop doing what God tells you to do for them, but let them go and let them walk it out and let them get to that point in their life. When this happened just last night when I was talking to Matt, he said, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I want to be whatever God wants me to be. When they get sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's going to make a difference in their life. And so what happens then is that we get to the point when we understand that not only does our mind, our continence, and everything change when we have joy, but medicinally it works in our bodies to allow the endorphins that are in our mind to flow. God intended for endorphins to move in your body, not to stagnate in your, bo- in your mind. Now, endorphins, it's a group of indigenous peptides found in the brain. Endorphins flow from our brain to various nerve endings, and the section in Don Colbert's book was awesome. They reduce stress and anxiety, and they bring healing into our body. They reduce stress and anxiety, and they bring healing into our body. They activate our immune system. Now, what happens if you're not allowing the joy to flow is that you're getting yourself distracted 
by things in life that aren't going right. All of you can raise your hands right now. I have my hand raised. How many of you have things in your life that aren't going right? You know you have things, family members, situations, circumstances. That's just part of living in a fallen world. But that is not our focus. Our focus is upon God. Our focus is upon Jesus. Our focus is upon the author and the finisher of our faith, who is seated at the right hand of the Father and spiritually living inside us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And every morning that we get up, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. I will rejoice in it. Getting your joy up again. Many of you have minds that click in in the morning or click in during the course of the day, and you know who I'm talking to. You get up in the morning, your mind starts revving up on you. That's because you're not joyful in the Lord. You're thinking and distracted, in my opinion, about all of the things that are out there, and your mind is like a radar trying to go to it and get on it, when rarely you just get up in the morning and you say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. Let's all say, I will rejoice. And don't be looking around for things that are going bad. Now, the word worry And the word distraction is the same thing. And the word anxiety, same root word. It is a distraction and a preoccupation with things that cause anxiety, stress, and continued pressure. I want to say that again. Worry, anxiety, same root word. It's a distraction a preoccupation with things causing anxiety, stress, and continued pressure. If you have continued pressure and stress on your life, it will affect your immune system. It will make you more subject to infection in your body. It will affect your mind. It will affect your thoughts. It will affect everything about you. It will affect your strength. It will affect, listen to this. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's about to get messing now. It will affect your weight. It will affect every part of your body because stress and anxiety and pressure will begin to trick your body into thinking you're getting ready for a big fight, but you're not. And it will trick your body into producing when it comes, and I'm getting way beyond my ability here, insulin and things of that nature, and your body will get messed up on you. And it's because of your mind, not because of exercise, although you need exercise, not because so much of food you eat, although you need to eat the right foods. It is because you've gotten involved in something physiologically and spiritually that is not flowing in your body and it is serious but if we'll live this message you can absolutely change your life now it's easier than you think turn to him say it's easier than you think we already if you know jesus as your lord and savior by the way that couple just left that was back here in the back somebody See, see if somebody can find them. We need to know if they know Jesus. They've been wandering around doing their thing, but they went out the front door, so one of you ushers, go see if you can find them. Uh, but, but, but if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have everything you have need of. Let's all say, I got it all. Let's, let's stand to our feet, and we're, and we're going we're gonna to pray right now because, see, the joy, sometimes you just have to stir it all up. Now, this joy right here, 
Let me see this joy. Yeah, this is, this is pretty good. How about going to fill this up? Will you go fill this up for me? Bring it back like this in there. Otherwise, you're going to get all wet. Okay, now, let's all say it. I have... Well, we can't do that yet. We've got to wait just a moment. How many of you are here and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Okay. Anybody, anybody, anybody that does not? I, all of you are part of the church except the three or four visitors. Bow your heads with me just for a moment. I want to ask you the most important question. Do you know that if you died tonight, like David Huntley, went home to work in the kitchen, dropped dead. But because he knew Jesus, he opened his eyes and saw the Lord. Do you know that if you died tonight, you would be with Jesus? And if you don't, we're going to make that assurance right now. Maybe you're here and you're like a prodigal son. Maybe you've even been coming to this church, but you know you've strayed away from God. This is no time to be strained away from the Lord. If you're here and you say, Pastor, you've described me, I, I know I need to get my life right with God. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air and we're going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I know that you're here. You never leave us. You never forsake us. I pray for every person here. You know if there's anyone here that's strayed away from you. Hallelujah. I see your hand back there. Let's all pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. But tonight, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life true desire of my heart is to serve you and to fulfill my God-given destiny. Father, I thank you for everybody that prayed that prayer. Now, Lord, as we pray, I, I pray that every single person will receive what you have for them through this message and through this prayer. In Jesus' name. I want to ask you a question. The, the commercial for State Farm that we saw is cute commercial. Cute commercial. Pardon? Oh, Allstate. Okay, Allstate. I always thought that guy was with State Farm. Well, no, no, I knew the guy wasn't. Anyway, Allstate. But how many of you know that that's a story of a lot of people's life? They live distracted if you can identify the challenge in your life you can do something about it but if you don't identify the challenge in your life you're always going to think that something else is the cause of you being like you are at certain times there is no excuse for anyone not being like Jesus if that's what they want to do. And we're called to imitate him, imitate his father, and to be everything he's called us to be, and that he gave us his joy so that our joy would be full. 
If we refuse to be distracted, there is no way the devil can take our joy. It doesn't mean that situations and circumstances will necessarily change. But how we view situations and circumstances will change us for eternity. And I believe tonight can be a life-changing service if you will allow the admission before God that you are a distracted person. Not a bad confession. It's saying, God, I am a distracted person. And I don't want to be that way any longer. And I believe God will change you. And I believe the answer will be an absolute flow of joy in your life that's already there, but it's been suppressed. They say that the only reason the Dead Sea is dead is because it has no flow, it has no outlet. It's just the Sea of Galilee flowing down through the River Jordan and then coming to a screeching halt. What I see in my mind is God sending His Son Jesus from heaven, flowing all the way down to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, flowing into us, and now He wants it to flow out of us so that we don't have that Dead Sea experience. Would you bow your heads with me? If I've described you, if you are a distracted person, I believe tonight, it can come to an end when you give it to the Lord and say, God, I am distracted by many things, but I'm not going to allow it to happen any longer in my life. I'm going to allow your joy to consume me 24 hours a day. If that's you, you say, I am a distracted person many times. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. I want to pray for you. See your hands right here. Now, believers, I want you to look around at these hands that are lifted. Over here, over here, right over here, all the way back there, right here in the middle section, right there behind you. I'll take that cup uh, up here. Okay, anybody else? Don't, don't miss this tonight, folks. It's going to be a life-changing experience. Anybody else before we... Right here in the first row, right here. Okay, other people we've missed. Now begin to pray for them. Father, we bind distraction in the name of Jesus. And we loose the power of God. Father, I thank you that the focus will be upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. No longer looking around at situations and circumstances that aren't lining up with your word. No longer trying to fix everything that needs to be fixed but walking in the fullness of your word, being led by your spirit, living your word, and letting that joy flow out of us and counting everything as joy. We refuse to allow the enemy to take our joy any longer. We, we do not allow that. We, we draw that line, of the proverbial line in the sand that we refuse anymore to be distracted. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, now, not everybody raised their hands, and I understand that, because I don't consider myself a distracted person. But I do know this, I can be distracted, and so can you. So let's all say that. We can all be 
distracted. So I want us to make this confession right now. For all we know, I know it was just a commercial, but you know, you can be distracted one time, one moment on an interstate at 80-some mile an hour, no, 70 mile an hour, at 70 mile an hour, and it can be the last distraction you have. We all need to focus upon Jesus and the speed limit. Okay, so I want us to make this confession right now. Lord, forgive me for the times in my life when I have been distracted. I believe it's demonic. I also believe it's habit forming. So therefore, I need your help to show me when I become distracted how to stop it immediately, how to loose the flow of joy, and how to realize no matter what happens around me, joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm not responsible for the Lord, for the world. I'm just responsible for me to let your love, your peace, and your joy consume me so it can flow to others. You believe that's the will of God? Let's give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed and let that joy flow.